0: Welcome to this APTA podcast. Welcome to PTJ author interviews. PTJ editor-in-chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty.
1: Hello, I want to welcome listeners to this latest PTJ podcast. This is Alan Jetty, editor-in-chief of PTJ. And today I'm very pleased to have as my guest Dr. Jen Stevens Lapsley. She's a professor in the physical therapy program in the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at the University of Colorado in Aurora, Colorado. Welcome, Dr. Stevens Lapsley.
0: Thank you, Dr. Jetty, for having me today.
1: I'm really uh, pleased that you were willing to take the time. We're going to talk about an article that you and your colleagues published on the 2023 APTA Research Agenda for Physical Therapy. And I know you headed up the group that developed the agenda, so it's great to have the opportunity to talk to you about the agenda. It was
0: truly a group effort on multiple levels. You know, there are authors represented on the agenda, um, but there are many more people behind the scenes that were helping at various stages provide feedback. It's been a uh, an extraordinary team effort, um, and I'm grateful to everyone who's contributed along the way.
1: Well, let's dive right in. Um, in, the, in the introduction to your article where you lay out the agenda, you put forth the, uh, the statement that, Research agendas such as this one play an important role in directing scholarly inquiry in our field as well as in other fields. And on the surface, that seems like a fairly obvious statement because you read about that all the time and we do research agendas all the time. So it made me think, though, uh, as we, this is not the first research agenda in our field. We had one in 2000 and then one in 2011. so as you as you reflect back on those earlier research agendas uh, and the statement that they they play an important role in directing scholarly inquiry in our field could you talk a little bit about your sense of how those earlier agendas did that?
0: Yeah, you know, research agendas have consistently helped prioritize research foci, and just as targeted funding opportunities drive more research in key areas of interest. And I would say this is especially true for individuals who are evaluating what directions they might want to consider early in their careers. I think back to the research agenda published in 2000 when I was just starting out in my my career. And that was definitely something that I uh, was suggested to to, um, consider carefully in terms of thinking about research questions and and directions. Of course we also hope that later career investigators who are pivoting to explore new research areas might also similarly benefit from more defined targets so they you know they help direct traffic they help kind of uh create a a sense of of focus in terms of what are what are the hot topics um and there's a bi-directional way in which they also interface with clinical practice it's important you know the earlier research agendas we saw more emphasis on on clinical testing and psychometrics um, of clinical exam techniques which helped refine which tests and measures are prioritized now in clinical practice and and we don't see as much of that in the current research agenda because a lot of that work has been done. so so we know over time you know we've we've um, been able to target some key areas and then expand further with with subsequent iterations of research agendas.
1: It's interesting that you say that because I do think you've just articulated the traditional view of research agendas and, and I have to admit, that I struggle with that because I've always seen it the other way, actually. I think the research priorities that researchers in our field adopt drives the agenda. I don't think the agenda drives the research priorities. Now, maybe, maybe that's just a reflection of how I worked as a researcher and as a scientist, but It it always strikes me that it it may may work the other way, that as people coalesce around a particular area of research, say population health, that you get a group of people in a room and talk about priorities that we should be addressing. Well, as a lot of people are now looking at population health, you can be pretty sure that's going to come up. And, And so I wonder which comes first. the the agenda driving the priorities or the priorities driving the agenda?
0: That's a great observation. And and it's probably both, you know, to some degree. It may not be as as uh, one sided as, you know, as as I articulated initially. There's there's that bi-directional kind of back and forth, you know, that's synergistically combining you know efforts with with kind of public opinion and and current head leads of different lines of research and areas of programmatic and, and um, uh, emphasis um, combined with you know putting it on paper where you further solidify the importance of it to, to further emphasize the value. So maybe maybe it's a little bit of both um, and so I, I really appreciate that comment.
1: you know you and your group are in a unique position because as part of your process, I'm sure you took a careful look at the agendas from 2000 and 2011. So could you share with the listeners your perspective on how the research priorities in those earlier agendas have changed? Because I think it it gives an interesting perspective on how our research in, in our field over the past 20 plus years has changed. I think
0: people would find it interesting. Yeah, no, it was interesting to go back and look at the evolution over time from the the two previous agendas to the current agenda. And I would say that one of the big shifts is that the current agenda has less of an inward focus on specific topics and more of an external focus with many contributing factors um, in recognizing that there are lots of things beyond just physical therapy that are influencing The outcomes that we're achieving, and that we really have to consider taking those into account. It's not as simple as providing an intervention and having the intervention translate into success. It's all these other factors that are contributing to the success or failure of an intervention. And so, you know, I think the current intervention looks at larger societal impacts um, and how they relate to physical therapy interventions. And has much greater complexity in the research questions, with numerous inter- interdigitating domains. And we saw a very similar trend in the development of the 2021 National Center for Medical Rehabilitation Research Plan on Rehabilitation um, that I had the good fortune to participate in. It was it was this kind of let's start thinking broader and 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 uh, with less of a very specific defined. We have to um, look at the psychometric properties of a particular. Um, test or measure. So, for example, like the 2000 research agenda, if people aren't familiar with it, you know, has questions like, what are the psychometric properties of the McKenzie classification system and the Delito classification system for patients with low back disorders? And the current agenda, and and we saw this in the 2011 agenda, had a little bit less specificity and, and a little bit more broadness to it. And the 2023, I think, further builds upon that. Um, to be more encompassing of of the world that we live in.
1: You know, when when I hear you talk about the outward focus of the current agenda, it reminds me of the evolution of the vision statements in our field. When you look at the earlier vision statements that were put forth by the association, they were very inward-looking. And the current one is very much in line with the agenda that your group put out and very outward looking in in terms of having an impact on society and not just uh, looking at who we are as physical therapists. I was very pleased uh, to see that. Could you talk a little bit about uh, the major audience or audiences that you had in mind when you put together the agenda?
0: Yeah. Great question. I mean, we we do hope it sparks researchers at all stages in their careers to consider questions within some of the categories proposed by the new agenda. Um, and and we also recognize, you know, building a cohesive research program takes time. It's not always easy to quickly pivot. Like you said, many people are already thinking in these directions and along these lines. And this may help further reinforce or or narrow kind of the the um, direction that people go. But it's our hope that, you know, as individuals are able to redirect some of their research targets, they they look to this agenda um, to do so. The other audience is, you know, that of funding agencies. Um, and the agenda tends to identify areas of the profession sees as important and direct, you know, hopefully direct funding agencies towards initiatives that support um, building on, on the, uh, the agenda targets. And then, you know, there's, we hope clinicians will also take note of the priority areas and and partner with researchers to answer important clinical questions. Um, as you well know, it, it takes a village to do most clinical research and our research clinician partnerships are, are really essential elements for transformative clinical research.
1: In a podcast such as this, we can't talk about the specific priorities because there's just too many and we don't have enough time. But I can mention that there were six categories, the population health, mechanistic research, clinical research, education, professional development research, health services research, and workforce development. Now, they're very broad, but one of the challenges in putting together an agenda such as this is to exclude some things. So uh, thinking about those six broad categories, what categories of research did the group consider but exclude? is not a priority currently going forward
0: yeah you know I think in some cases um it's it wasn't in some things weren't excluded they were repackaged and in other cases things were were excluded um so for example we eliminated the measurement development and validation section um, that was present in the two thousand eleven agenda um as well as epidemiology and I would say there's very little emphasis on measurement development and validation in our current agenda, but there's still elements of epidemiology and kind of the health services domains and some other areas of of um, in terms of topical focus um, that were kind of absorbed under that umbrella. So um, those were two of the two of the biggest ones that I could that, that, that I could highlight that that were eliminated, um, so to speak, We also changed language to be more current. We went from what was in the previous agenda referred to as basic science. Um, The current agenda refers to kind of those questions as mechanistic. Um, So because many of those questions are are more translational with that mechanistic focus, we felt like that was a more appropriate, more current terminology to represent that, that category. So I would think those are probably the biggest kind of categorical changes, and again, just more focus on research questions that involve more complexity and real-world context. There's more emphasis on implementation science, social determinants of health, and how we can, you know, evaluate physical therapy models for different populations um, across the lifespan, things like that. That were that were definitely more emphasized in the current agenda.
1: Well, oh, I for one am pleased to see that some areas were excluded like measurement, because I think it does reflect um, the development of research in our field. I mean, we've spent a lot of energy and research in the past 20 years on measurement. And so it's a really good sign that it's not front and center moving forward. From my point of view, I think it, it shows some maturation of the science in our field.
0: Yeah, and it parallels kind of what we see in PTJ in terms of current publications. You know, when we looked 20 years ago, how many publications were focused on psychometric properties of um, tools and and evaluation kind of uh, resources, but now we don't see nearly, if any, you know, on a on a regular basis. Um, so certainly a maturation of our of our field as a
1: whole. Yeah, well, I do see a lot of parallels in the categories that you're group has come up with, with what we're seeing in uh, the submissions to PTJ, it very much reflects the kinds of work that that you're advocating, with a few exceptions. We don't see much yet on workforce development. I think that'll be interesting to see in the years to come. And I still think we need much more work on education uh, research. Uh, People have been talking about that, but it's difficult to do good education research and get it published. So I was pleased to see those reflected in in the uh, priorities.
0: Yeah, and workforce development and education um, consistently or historically have been harder to fund. Um, And so especially workforce development, and that's probably one of the reasons it's lagged behind. And we need to figure out sources of funding that will help us, you know, move the dial on, on some of those topics, so very important topics as well.
1: You know, it wasn't that long ago when you could have said the same thing for health services research, and it really has changed. the the, uh, the profession has invested in it, and we're seeing the fruits of that already in the the amount of health services work that's being done in our field. So, I think you're right. Um, investment will make a difference in those areas.
0: Yeah, it's a great example. I mean, CoStar, um, under the direction of Linda Resnick and and her talented team, has been incredibly successful at at infusing more clinical research um, expertise in the areas of of health services. So this, you know, again, may help us decide on future directions for uh, the next big kind of institute or center or programmatic kind of uh, emphasis that the foundation or other funding agencies may seek to invest in.
1: Well, I for one hope that the association and the uh, the foundation invest their research in concentrated areas instead of splattering it all around because you can have much more of an impact. And I know that's politically challenging to do because that means there are always winners and losers. But if you really long term want to have an impact, that's what you need to do, it, in my bias view. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think COSTAR is a great example of that. A lot of resources were were put into COSTAR, but look at the product, you know, we now have a, a workforce that has a different skill set than we did before,
1: for sure. So, uh, as you think about it going forward, you've talked about the earlier research agendas. How do you uh, hope that the 2023 research agenda will be used by our our field?
0: Yeah, you know, I guess I've I've touched on this a little bit in terms of, you know, maybe cementing kind of areas of emphasis and really kind of directing traffic for funding agencies. Um, But hopefully it'll also help us to continue to recognize the gaps and encourage discussion and collaboration amongst researchers, clinicians, and funding agencies to, to tackle some of these important issues. So I think I'm hopeful that, you know, that we'll we'll be able to build upon this research agenda also in a timely manner. So the plan with the Scientific Practice Affairs Committee is that instead of waiting over a decade to publish the next research agenda, we'll have more of an iterative process where we'll have a a research agenda in less than a decade um, and that that process will begin upon publication of this research agenda so that it's more of a fluid kind of live, you know, uh, constantly evolving process um, rather than every every decade or more in this particular
1: case. You know, one of the challenges, and, and this came up in the review of the agenda, is how does one evaluate the um, importance of a research agenda? And I know you and your group have thought about it because it's reflected in the article, but could you share a little bit of uh, your thinking with the, uh, with the audience on how, how does one go about evaluating whether or not it's worth the investment because there's a sizable investment in putting one of these together.
0: Absolutely. There is a sizable investment. So so your question is is maybe the most important and the hardest question to answer. Um, because we've had a lot of discussion around this area. And evaluation can be difficult to do effectively for a number of reasons, you know, of a product of this nature. And and in fact there's no systematic evaluation of the previous two agendas um but that doesn't mean there shouldn't be one uh, some process for this particular agenda um we we've, we've had a lot of discussions because And and we think that the lack of evaluation in the prior agendas and, and the difficulty in figuring out what to do with this agenda is likely tied to the challenges in measuring the impact because it's extremely difficult to attribute temporally distinct outcomes to an intervention such as a publication of this nature. And so there's so many different products that we may not ever know that this agenda affected directly or indirectly. And so... I think we can measure the direct influence of the research agenda on some of the more proximal outcomes. So the number of times that the agenda is cited or the number of uh, different dissemination activities that we undertake to proliferate you know, the vision set within the uh, research agenda. Um, but ideally, we should work with experts in program evaluation to further refine our strategies. And we are absolutely open to suggestions from our PT community to really, really crystallize how we should approach this um, so that we have a more rigorous uh, set of methods in place um, shortly after the publication of this agenda to start th- start looking at that evaluation process. Um, we can certainly survey researchers who apply for foundation funding and ask them how it was or wasn't used in forming questions or survey funding agencies. We could partner with the National Center for Medical Rehabilitation Research. Um, they have a really robust and, and uh, in-depth method by which they evaluate how NCMRR is impacting the breadth and the depth of of rehab research funded by NIH. And maybe there are some elements of what they're doing that we can build upon and learn from that we could similarly implement. But they have a central source where everyone's applying for funds that they can then evaluate all of the the grants that are funded, whereas we don't have the same conduit or, or mechanism to systematically know exactly what our reach is and what our impact is as easily.
1: Well, Dr. Stevens, lastly, thank you, first of all, for taking on this task. I know it wasn't easy, and I'm sure it took you and your colleagues a great deal of time and and effort, and I would encourage our listeners to take a look at the agenda uh, and to provide feedback uh, if if they wish, because I think that would be um, uh, welcomed, and in particular, thank you for taking the time today to talk about it.
0: Absolutely. And I thank all the individuals like I said at the beginning of the podcast that were instrumental in making this possible. Um, this was uh, certainly a rewarding and 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 challenging um, opportunity to to put together this this agenda, but we are eager for feedback and eager to continue to to um, iterate on and think about next steps. So So thank you for the opportunity to share some of the different backstories and perspectives on the on the current agenda. You can find more APTA podcasts like this one on Apple
1: Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.